isn't it really frustrating how you can be having a, a prolonged conversation with someone, but after a little while, you start to realize that you've been talking about something completely different all along. You've been speaking the same language. You've been using maybe the same terms, and yet you can mean something completely different from what they think that you mean. There's oftentimes division, a lack of unity from the very start in some of our conversations, even daily conversations. So where did all of that division start? Well, to get to the bottom of that, we got to go all the way back, back to the Garden of Eden. God created man and woman, and he blessed them with everything they could possibly ask for, food, water, rest, joy, peace, beauty all around them, everything. But above all, God blessed Adam and Eve with perfect union with himself. They had unity with God and with one another. But then the serpent, the craftiest of all creatures, introduces something that was not there before. Disunity. Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden. Notice what's happening there. The serpent, the ancient dragon himself, the devil, sows disunity into the hearts of Adam and Eve, the beloved creatures of God, by calling into question the words of God, the language of God. Did God really say, did he really mean that? He's striking right at the heart of our relationship with God by sowing confusion and division over what God's words actually mean for us. He's striking at the heart of communication, which is to say the heart of communion. He's messing with our original unity with God. Okay, so now fast forward a couple of chapters later to another Old Testament story that is very relevant this weekend the Tower of Babel. The story starts off with these words. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. That's good, right? The people are united. They're on the same page. They're, they're speaking the same language. But the only problem is they went ahead and misused that unity and they started to say to one another, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for who? Ourselves. Listen to what's going on there. The people tried basing their unity upon their own man-made works, on their own accomplishments. And the end result? Disaster. The tower is thrown down. The people are scattered. And their speech becomes confused and divided. More and more disunity more and more broken communication, more and more broken communion. So that's kind of a mess, right? That's kind of where we're at. And yet, the Lord has provided an antidote to all of this, to all of this disunity. He has given us the miracle of Pentecost. Pentecost reverses. It undoes the disunity of the Tower of Babel and in an even more still profound way, it reverses, it dismantles, and undoes the disunity of sin itself. 
Father Cantalamesa points out that this new event, this, this Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, brings unity, harmony, and communion. Here too, he says, a city, an edifice, a tower is being built, the church. But there's a big difference, he says. What's the difference? Well, we heard in our first reading today from the Acts of the Apostles. The people there on Pentecost morning were just bewildered, weren't they? They were like, how can we understand these people? How does each of us hear them in his own native language? We hear them speaking in our own tongues of what? The mighty acts of God. There it is. That's, that's the antidote. That's it. They were speaking, the apostles, the disciples, the believers of the Lord, the ones who had just gotten blasted by the Holy Spirit, they were speaking not about themselves, but about the mighty acts of God. They weren't talking about their own technology, or their own science, or their own architectural feats, or their own silly ideas and philosophies. They weren't talking about their own politics. They weren't talking about their own plans and projects, right? They were just full-heartedly praising the Lord. Father Cantalamesa continues, at Pentecost, everyone understood each other because they had forgotten about themselves. The apostles did not want to make a name for themselves, but for God. They were turned upside down by the Holy Spirit, he says. They were dazzled by the glory of God. And everyone understood them because they did not speak about themselves but about God's great deeds. That's the antidote. That's the perfect cure for all of our polarization and division. Praising the Lord. Offering him worship. Giving God his proper due. The miracle of Pentecost is a miracle of praise. Just think. In just a matter of moments, minutes, St. Peter and the rest of the disciples in the upper room went from being timid and shy and afraid to boldly unleashing Pentecost fire. They went about in just a moment's time proclaiming everything that God had done through Jesus Christ for them personally in front of giant crowds of people who by all natural means should not have been able to understand them at all. But they did. It was a miracle. That's what happened when the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples with tongues of fire. And so now, today, when we let it rip, when we praise the Lord and worship him together in the sacraments of the church, in the most holy sacrifice of the Mass, when we worship him in our homes, in our families, in our own hearts, we are all united. We're all saying the same thing, actually. We're all speaking the same language of God's greatness, not our own greatness. And there is great power there. People will sometimes complain that at Catholic Mass, we kind of say the same things all the, all the time. The same prayers, right? The same words, week after week after week. And we say them all in unison, in as, as deadpan a voice as possible, right? Sometimes it sounds like a drone, right? <laughs> But that's the genius of the Holy Spirit, guys, okay? We're all speaking the same praise. We're all in unison together. And so, fired with the love of God and filled with the Holy Spirit, we can speak those same exact words 
of the Mass, of our daily prayers, week in and week out, and they become fresh and new and filled with divine life every single time for us. Behold, I make all things new, Jesus promises. And so too, our worship, our praise is made new. It's created anew every time we lift up our voices and join them together in proclaiming not ourselves, but the mighty acts of God. And when we do that, it drives the devil nuts, man. It drives him completely up a wall. He keeps trying to divide us and tear us apart the same way that he first attacked Adam and Eve. He says to us today, did God really say that? Did he really mean that? Are you sure you understood God's language to you? But will we listen to him? No. We will respond instead, united as the one body of Christ, with the single Holy Spirit-inspired voice of the church. Yes, God did say that. Yes, he did mean what he said. And then he went ahead and backed up those words through mighty deeds. So let me tell you about them. Let me tell you about the resurrection. Let me tell you about the beautiful conversions. Let me tell you about what I've seen the Lord accomplish. If you ask me, I think that our brand new state-of-the-art evangelization strategy should be as simple and straightforward as this. Come and praise the Lord with us. Come and worship him. He's so good. He's awesome. He shows up and he is with us. We just sang in our psalm today, Psalm 104, bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are great indeed. How manifold are your works, O Lord. That is our evangelization plan. That's our mission. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Because if we become more and more and more a truly praising community, if people witness us worshiping the risen Jesus with everything that we've got, then I am convinced that the gospel will take deep root in our world today. I'm convinced that more and more and more people will start to hear what we are saying in their own language, in their own tongue. The miracle of Pentecost will happen again, even here, even now in this hyper-secularized culture, this morally confused world, which is so divided by sin and, and enslaved to the flesh. But we know that life in the spirit blows life in the flesh right out of the water. There's absolutely no comparison. A life which glorifies the Lord and praises him is so much better. It's so much freer than a life riddled with sin. Life in the flesh is foolishness. It's emptiness and void. It's miserable. But unity with God is so much more rich and satisfying than any lustful indulgence, than any gluttonous grasping or greedy self-satisfaction, any kind of materialism. That stuff divides us. It sets us against one another and against God. It even sets, it against, sets ourselves against our own selves, right? We're chopped up and mutilated by that kind of stuff. It's truly diabolical, a word that literally means to separate and divide. 
But to praise God in mind, heart, body, soul, to worship him rather than ourselves with everything that we've got, that brings about harmony and it brings about life that unites us with our neighbors and it affects true and lasting peace. And that's what Jesus speaks over his disciples in the upper room, isn't it? Peace. The first Easter night, he comes among them and he speaks peace. Shalom. That peace that the Lord breathes onto them is the peace of a restored union with God. It is the peace of forgiveness of sins through the blood of the cross. You are forgiven, he says. Yeah, you ran away. You abandoned me when I needed you the most, and I ended up going to Calvary basically alone. But now I grant you pardon and peace. I grant you full and complete unity. And so he breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of peace has been breathed into each and every one of you. And so that means that sin has no place in your heart anymore. St. Paul puts it best when he says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You are a temple built up and constructed by God himself, not by yourself, like some new Tower of Babel. You're built up by God. So glorify him, worship him, proclaim the mighty acts of God in your life. Let your body be a place of intense, ongoing worship and praise. Praise is the opposite of sin. It disarms it and destroys it, and it gives us new life in Jesus. Look at Jesus on the cross for a second. That is the image of the perfect man offering perfect praise. That is the perfect offering of sacrificial praise. So we ask God to come and fill our hearts with that kind of praise. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts with sincere worship. Send us deep into the heart of the Holy Eucharist that we are about to enter into communion with. We adore you, Lord. The whole body of Christ spread throughout the whole world adores you. Set our hearts on fire for you. Make us one single language of praise. We all freely drink of the same spirit, and you must increase. We must decrease. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen.